Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 335 of the podcast. It's the 23rd of November, 2022, as I record this intro. And this week, Anna Brown and Erica Ellis join me for a new series called Bringing It Home. This is a companion to the Unschooling Rules series. See, when we're learning something new, it can feel easier to reach for a set of rules to follow. Not because we're lazy or anything, but because we want to do it well. The challenge is that rules can soon become restrictive, hampering our deeper understanding. We hold on to the rule rather than digging into the why behind it. We want to get to the why because then we no longer need the rule. We can then explore what it looks like alongside the nuances and uniqueness of our family, of the individuals in our family. And that's the idea behind the Bringing It Home series. We look more deeply into an aspect of what life might look like without the rule. So in the last Unschooling Rules episode, we talked about the prevailing idea that unschoolers should always say yes to our children. And today we're digging deeper into what conversations might look like when the answer is, at least for now, no. We can feel like in that situation we need to shut down the conversation quickly, but even in those moments when we're not able to say yes right away, we can still bring yes energy to the conversation. Opening up the conversation can lead us in so many fascinating directions. Just a quick note, Erica's internet was being a bit wonky near the end of our conversation, so she wasn't able to speak. But she did record her final thoughts later, and I've added them at the end. I hope you find our conversation helpful on your unschooling journey. And also, I wanted to mention, have you had a chance to check out the Living Joyfully podcast yet? That's my new podcast with Anna Brown. While this podcast, Exploring Unschooling, aims to help people figure out how to apply bigger picture unschooling ideas in their everyday lives, in this new podcast, Anna and I are talking about life, relationships, and parenting without mentioning the word unschooling. We want to reach people who are interested in prioritizing the relationships in their lives, but aren't quite sure what that looks like or how to go to how to go about it. <laughs> and we want to make it much easier for unschooling parents to share this kind of information with their friends and family without having to get into the whole unschooling thing. <laughs> so while the new podcast isn't about unschooling per se, everything we talk about there is foundational for unschooling to thrive. And last week we dove into consent and consensual living. And this week we're talking about boundaries, comfort zones, and capacity. I hope you'll check it out. Just search for the Living Joyfully podcast wherever you're listening to this right now. And before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply, deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support is instrumental in keeping the podcast archive, audio, and transcript freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. And you contribute to the time I spend thinking about these topics and putting these episodes together. 
If you'd like to support the show, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's get to my conversation with Anna and Erica. Welcome, I'm Hannah Rickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm joined by Anna Brown and Erica Ellis. Hello to you both. Hi. Hello. So in our last Unschooling Rules episode, which was 335, we talked about why people may find themselves trying to always say yes as part of the paradigm shift to unschooling. We discussed how always saying yes may lead to frustration, disconnection, and resentment. And I shared one of my guiding questions, which was, why not yes? That helped me lean into the yes, but also consider the whole context of the situation. We also dove into a few examples of how conversations um, and focusing on working together to meet everyone's needs can cultivate valuable learning for the whole family, for everyone who's involved. So with this follow-up bringing it home conversation, we want to talk about an aspect of leaning into saying yes that we've seen trip people up in various ways over the years. So what if we can't make it happen? There are definitely times when our kids have a request that we can't meet immediately or on the timeline that they're looking for. Um, Previously, we talked about the value of having conversations about the reasons behind it, but we wanted to dive into what might those conversations actually look like. Because even in those moments when we're not able to say yes right away, we can still bring yes energy to the conversation. So maybe they're asking for something that's overwhelming or not possible in a practical sense. Mommy, I want to fly to the moon. (laughs) Or they want to build a roller coaster or dig to the center of the earth. Like they are imaginative. (laughs) Or maybe it's a resource or a time constraint that makes the request just not doable for now. When that happens, we can feel the urge to shut the conversation down because it seems nonsensical or because we're feeling a little bit bad that we can't make it happen for them right now and don't want to dwell on that. We want to move on. But instead of shutting things down by saying no or changing the subject, we can join them in their excitement and wonder with the energy of yes. We can meet them where they are and see their request through their eyes. We can get curious. What about this idea or this thing is lighting them up so much? Maybe we say, that sounds amazing. What would you like to do on the moon? Or that toy looks so cool. What do you like most about it? We can have wonderfully engaged conversations with them about the thing, fully validating their interest in it or in doing it. And sometimes that is totally enough for them, right? Sometimes that helps them move on. Sometimes it's less about actually doing or getting the thing and more about feeling seen as a person who would be excited about it. Ah, they get me, they get me, they see me. I think we can fear that joining them in their excitement about the thing will be interpreted as, yes, let's do it. Let's buy the thing right now, right? I know that was what I was reticent about early on, but it's not been my experience. That yes energy can lead to printing a picture of the thing that they're wanting and making concrete plans to save for it. It can be brainstorming various ways to experience some of what they're curious about. 
say we start, we watch some documentaries about space travel, or we check in on astronauts that are living on the International Space Station right now, or maybe we go to the Science Center and see and feel a moon rock. When the answer feels like no at first, if we can get curious and bring that yes energy into the moment, we learn so much more and have a lot of fun getting creative about the possibilities for now and for the future. It just takes that mindset shift to not feel like, oh man, I need to shut this down or I feel bad about it. I need to change it. We can really dive into it and there's so much fun in there. <laughs> Anna, what do you think? What are your thoughts about that? Right. So, I, I mean, I would say our experiences were very similar and that, you know, that yes energy for me is really about connecting in the moment, not getting in my head about what we couldn't do or why it won't work or what kind of an idea is this, but like lean in and ask the questions and get excited. That was such a key point for us. It's like, and we would do this a lot at the store, you know, if we saw something that they were interested in, but it wasn't really an option for that trip for whatever reason, you know, I would just ask questions like, what do you love about? it. What's your favorite part? And then I would get excited. I love this one. Look at this. And I love how cool the colors are. And that's the cutest face on that little dog. That's a part of that set. You know, we could just, and they loved me seeing what they were seeing with those kind of that excited, you know, energy and that, that excited eyes. And for us, I mean, oddly enough, and I know it's not this way with every child, but a lot of times that conversation was enough to then move on to the next one. And we, it was actually, sometimes I felt like a bid for connection, even <laughs> that, you know, they want it, you know, cause we're in the store and we can kind of be in our heads and it's a little bit busy, but it's like, we would connect over these different toys and talk about them. And, you know, so that was enough to move on. But if it wasn't, you know, we would do, like you were saying, put it on the list and let's think about, let's check different places as soon as we get home, because sometimes we can get a better price than we can at the grocery store or Target. And, you know, if it birthdays or holidays were coming soon, then that might be an option. And if not, then we talk about, okay, how can we bring some extra money in? What are other options that we have? Sometimes we'd realize that we did right now we needed it. Like this was something we needed and that we could make adjustments elsewhere. But those were conversations that again, just kind of open and curious, how can we get through this? And, you know, it was another time reminder for me that I didn't have to have all the answers that things come into their life from a lot of different sources. And we're good at finding, you know, used items or big sales or someone that's getting rid of something that they're interested in. The key piece was that they trusted that I heard them and that I knew how important it was and that we would find a way. Like there was never a doubt about that with them. They knew that if this was something they wanted, like we would keep cracking at it until we could figure it out, even if we couldn't get to it that first time. And I feel like that's really how we cultivated that yes energy. It just boiled down to that trusting that all of our needs and desires were valid. And we would put them into the context of our life in that moment and we would figure it out together. And so, okay, but this leads me to some thoughts that bubbled up since the last podcast about this. And it's related to context and understanding our own needs. And I think it's an important piece of this puzzle. So I do want to kind of dive off to the side just a little bit here. Um, I found that children naturally know how to advocate for their needs. 
the infant who cries when they're hungry and needs a diaper change, the toddler who wants the blue cup, you know, they just know. But if a child is systemically overridden and told their needs or desires are wrong or not important, they disconnect from those cues. It becomes about pleasing the people around them, especially when the people hold the keys to survival. So this can play out a couple of ways as adults. Because their needs have been repressed, they can lose touch with what their needs are. They can feel the distress, like know something doesn't feel right. And it can even cause them to be snappy or grumpy, but they don't really know why. They feel put upon, but they don't know how to access what their actual need is or how to articulate it. And so this may continue along the path of people pleasing, you know, understanding their needs at not understanding their needs. And so they're never even brought into the equation of these conversations at the store or these other pieces, or they may stumble upon that boundary language that we've talked about before. And it just feels really appealing. Like, I just want this feeling of uncomfortable to stop and I'm going to throw up a hard boundary. But the thing is setting a hard boundary isn't actually being in tune with our feelings. You don't dig into the why of it. Why is it rubbing? What is the underlying need here? And it's hard because if we've been told that our needs aren't valid our whole lives, you know, how do we start to tune into them? And that's why we talk so much about self-awareness, you know, being able to identify and articulate our needs and feelings is so important. And I think if you come into unschooling without a handle on your own needs and you're faced with a child who is quite clear, <laughs> the pendulum can swing to the side of not getting your needs met and that it only being about the child. And you're just, you're following this, just say yes idea <laughs> without any context or putting your own needs into the equation. And honestly, it's just a disservice to you both and to the whole process. Children want to understand the world and they want to be given information. So as you develop self-awareness, you can articulate your needs and you can deepen the conversations about the context. Conversation and collaboration just becomes kind of the MO, like I was talking before, that's just the trust. We trust that we are capable of stating our needs and working towards a solution. Children are capable of understanding more context than we give them credit for. But it comes from that, that environment where we're all doing that. That's where that trust develops that, okay, if mom's saying this doesn't work right now, I know she's going to hear me and I can hear her. And cultivating you know, a yes environment that actually feels good to everyone is contingent upon understanding and being able to articulate you know, our needs. And we don't have to do that perfectly. There's always going to be growth and fine tuning, but for it to be sustainable, all parties need to be heard. So I feel like some of these factors come into play when people are grappling with the just say yes idea. And when we get the feedback that it's not working or these conversations aren't working and, you know, something's not happening that way for them at the store or in these other pieces. So I think digging into that a bit can open up some areas that possibly need healing or development. And we can learn those things alongside our children because as so often <laughs> they do lead the way when it comes to this. And so I just wanted to put that in there as people are kind of grappling with this idea of just say yes and how it's working in their families. So Erica, what do you think? <laughs> I am so excited to dive more deeply into this idea. My mind has been coming back to it again and again as things are coming up for me at home and as I'm hearing stories from people on the network. Yeah, and first, yeah. that yes energy that you were describing, Pam, has worked so well for me and my kids. 
They really just want someone to be excited with them and to understand what they're interested in, to imagine all of the possibilities with them. Um, Oliver used to like watching YouTube videos of Lego sets and minifigures that he didn't have, and that met a need for him. We did print out pictures of minifigures he loved, and he has a binder full of them. But for me, understanding his excitement and bringing yes energy meant not just saying no to that expensive discontinued minifigure, but getting excited with him and putting the most important items on his wish list and looking up all the details and finding pictures. And it's just so much more fun to connect from that place rather than the place of that's too expensive, forget it. Um, I don't want to shut down my kids' creativity and their excitement and their ideas, their interests with no energy. And sometimes it happens. I mean, the context of the moment sometimes includes me being overwhelmed or maybe having an intense hormonal time. But I can try to remind myself of that good feeling that comes from just connecting with them about what excites them and letting my eyes light up when they tell me about what they want rather than trying to shut it down. It just makes such a big difference. And then Anna, what you were mentioning about being clear about our needs as adults and those valuable conversations that can happen. I just think that's so, so important. It's exactly that pendulum swing to I'm meeting all of the kids' needs with no thought (laughs) of my own needs. And that can get us into so much trouble. I see this happen more with my husband, Josh, with my kids, because he'll definitely push through his feelings at times because the kids are so clear about what they want. And he just doesn't want to have an argument. So I try to notice when he really is pushing through, you know, his own tiredness or his own, you know, he's not in a good mood or whatever it is. And I see him pushing through trying to meet all of their needs regardless. And I try to help, you know, have a conversation between the kids and him, um, you know, to help him communicate his needs. And I try to keep that idea that we're all on the same team at the forefront of that, because we may have conflicting needs at times, but we can figure out what to do. We don't need to be adversaries in order to meet our different needs. It's kind of like the abundance mindset. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of resources. Even when things are hard, there's plenty of possibilities and we can problem solve together. Um, But I had one other aspect of this that I wanted to bring up just because I couldn't believe how perfect it was. So in the network this month, we're talking about kindness and compassion. And in our book club, we're reading the book Radical Compassion by Tara Brock. And in one of the first chapters, Tara talks about saying yes to our feelings and to our current situation as a way to show compassion to ourselves and to move through difficult moments. And I just thought it was an amazing connection to what we're talking about here, bringing the energy of yes to myself and my feelings and my experiences means that I'm not judging myself when I'm having a hard time, which I can tend to do. If I have that yes energy, I'm not shutting down in the face of difficulties. I'm encouraging myself to stay present, to stay open and curious, to accept things as they are as the way of moving towards what would feel better. And when I've practiced saying yes, since reading these chapters, I've noticed the physical feeling of that, the tension around my heart feels like it relaxes. My body feels less contracted. My mind feels clearer and more spacious. I feel more loving towards myself when I'm not saying no to my feelings and trying to shut my feelings down. And so for me, this yes energy is like 
even more helpful than I had even realized. It's so helpful in so many areas. I can give yes energy to to my interactions with my loved ones, even difficult interactions when they're having a hard time. I can give that kind of same energy to myself when I'm having a hard time. Even just thinking the word yes in a hard moment can bring some lightness into into that moment. I love that. <laughs> Bringing it into like the the yes energy into feelings and emotions. It's not all about I want to buy the thing or I want to do right. that. It's also I'm feeling this thing. Yes, you're feeling this thing or yes, I'm feeling this thing. And just acknowledging that. Oh, yes, the lightness that comes with it, even if we don't know the next place we want to go with that. Just like, oh, this I don't have to fight it. I don't have to resist it. This is how I'm feeling in this moment. And that that opens, like when we're not resisting it, we're not telling ourselves no, which is like kind of the shut it down. Don't want to have this conversation. Don't want to have this feeling. You know, when we shut that down, we don't learn more about ourselves. We don't like that opening curious that you were talking about. It's like, oh, there are there are possibilities to move through this. This isn't like an, an end point. And I think sometimes with feelings, uh, for me anyway, that resistance is there because I don't know that there's, I can't see a possibility where I would go next with it. So I'm stopping it here, you know? So when I can say, yes, you know, you're feeling this or yes, this is, this is hard. That encourages me to take the next step to be kind of compassionate to myself. And it's like, okay, you know, what do things look like from here? It's okay. Right. And that's kind of cultivating that trust and yes, energy for all of it, for the whole situation and for the whole family, you know, that we can have these feelings and we're going to look at the context when things come up. And that if you're having a big feeling about this, that's okay. We're going to figure out space for that. And again, it may be about, you know, figuring out how to, get to the moon or do the thing or whatever, but it is just creating this environment of like, it's okay. Like we're all in this together and we're going to figure it out. And I don't know. So that's the yes piece to me, you know, that, that team piece that we're in this together piece. I really loved your point too, Anna, about how we are. I know for me, it was so much of learning um, about myself alongside processing this with my kids like I definitely did that that swing with yeah yeah it makes so much sense to say yes because they're they're learning and and all these things and I don't want to like control negatively control etc and I didn't have words to bring my discomfort into the conversation so it was just like okay yes you know (laughs) I mean it felt good and there but it builds up over time, right? That's the whole pendulum swing. You can get to burnout or, you know, just to like overwhelm from saying lots of yeses that really are just about the yes, not about the context and conversation. So it's not, it's not to shame anyone who is in that spot because so many times we have been in that spot. It is, but the, it is a great clue or a great reason, motivation to start understanding ourselves. It's like, oh, now why is this rubbing? Why am I feeling overwhelmed in this moment? You know, 
And it's also watching and seeing how all those yeses unfold because sometimes it is completely and utterly amazing. And sometimes things go sideways. Like I'm gaining more experience with things that I'd never had experience with before because I had not said yeses this often. I had only taken, and it wasn't even that I was taking my needs into account per se. It was like, I'm too tired. No. Or that'd be too messy. No. Like, not digging into like, is tired? How tired am I? Is tired a factor in this moment? But that's the boundary piece, right? You're like, it's too messy. No, but you're not digging into what's the underlying need there. Okay. So is it too messy? Maybe it is in this room, but maybe it's not over here. Like you're stopping the conversation with those kind of, I'm too tired. It's too messy. No, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. It could, because, because at that point I couldn't bring anything else. I didn't, think to dig deeper to find those underlying needs so that I could then bring those and be creative right it's like oh I don't want to mess in the kitchen because I'm just about to start dinner except oh another room but if if I had dug deep enough it's like oh can we do that in the basement can we do that outside you know all those other pieces we can be so much more creative when we really understand ourselves that self-awareness piece is so valuable to bring all these kind of these yes conversations, right? (laughs) Okay. Anything else anybody wants to add? Like we can go on this forever. And, um, you know, everybody, you can bring your pieces of the conversation too. Yeah, comment on Instagram or on YouTube or on the website. We are very happy to continue this conversation because, yeah, we having had time to think about it for a couple more weeks. That's why I like having this this second kind of follow up it. episode. It's gonna be, uh, you know, we're gonna be able to bring so many more pieces that bubble up to us over time. So I am really enjoying this. <laughs> yes, I think it's great. And like Erica said, it just seems like since our last talk, it keeps bubbling up in all these places, and we hear it on the network, and we hear it in these other other realms. So I was so glad she brought those pieces in. Yeah, no, that was perfect. And being able to say yes to ourselves, even to feelings before we get to like the doing and the things, etc. Like being able to meet ourselves there. That's brilliant, too. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, both of you. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Take care. My internet was acting up when we recorded this call. So I just wanted to take a moment to add something else that bubbled up for me about this yes energy. What came to mind is the idea of both and. I think if I'm stuck in a spot of either always saying yes or in the opposite place, seeing myself as a gatekeeper and doling out yeses and nos, lots of nos, then I'm missing the nuance. I'm in a place of either or instead of both and. And so I think yes energy can also be about accepting and acknowledging the complexity of situations and people and feelings. Maybe it's a child who wants to go to the park, but also seems to not want to go to the park. Or maybe part of me is excited about the possibility of my child's activity of choice, and another part of me has a lot of fears and concerns. In a more mainstream paradigm, I may be putting pressure on myself and my kids to have the one answer and to make the one right decision. But in real life, with real emotions and real context, it can be both and. There is more space to feel all of the different feelings that come up and to brainstorm with that open and curious mindset all of the possibilities of our next steps. So 
I just think that focus on yes energy can help us not rush into decisions and not try to shove everything into this yes, no, right, wrong, do it this way or don't do it at all kind of place. We can say yes to all of our feelings as well as all of our children's and create this environment of openness, curiosity and problem solving as a team. This topic has been so much fun to dive into for me personally, and I just can't wait for the next one. Take care, everyone. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website livingjoyfully.ca